your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Tuesday. In studio with me, Viterbo political science professor Dr. Keith Knutson. How's it going, Keith? Doing good, Rick. Good you, to see you again. You don't need those unless we get a phone call. Okay. So, I mean, if you don't want to mess up your hair, <laughs> if you guys are watching on Facebook Live, you can see Keith. He's got a lot of hair. A lot more hair than me. Uh, 608-785-7914 if you want to talk, if you want to text in the Better Hearing Center, talk and text line. What am I doing here? Zip, whip. That's how we get our text line. Um, now, obviously, you're a political science professor. The school year just started. Uh, I, can you can you explain what, in, in this day and age where, where politics has become so, I guess, heightened or hyper... <laughs> Hyperpartisan, I think, is uh, well, that a term too. often applied. Yeah, and as a political science professor, do you really have to stick, pay attention to what's going on? Or are you teaching civics and you're just, te- uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'd, are you teaching more history? Are you using current events? Or can you not use current events to even teach stuff? Because a lot of the stuff seemingly that hasn't happened before or just like maybe it's all happening at once as opposed to maybe it's trickled throughout the years. Well, certainly in uh, an American government class, I try to keep it current. Um, uh, But uh, today we went through the uh, constitutional foundations for our separation of powers and checking and balancing system, which uh, as the father of the Constitution, James Madison, wrote in the Federalist Paper number 10, the system's designed to get bogged down. Uh, the priority of the founders was to protect the uh, hard-won uh, freedom out of the Revolutionary War. And so uh, we have a political culture in our society that is, uh, uh, in many respects, anti-government. And, of course, as government has grown over our 250 years, uh, that sets up a a vital foundation for some of this animosity today. People who still argue for low levels of taxation, small government, but uh, our our, uh, national budget is something like $4 trillion, and uh, uh, that's quite a big chunk of change. And so we we have big government, and uh, I think historically we've had this battle between those who want to reel in government and those who want to use government to build social functions, uh, create social benefits. Now, do you, do you when, when you're teaching these, is it more federal or do you, do you look to... to... The, cor- the course I'm teaching is American government, okay. national government. But, okay. uh, uh, of course, out of the Constitution, one, one of our American inventions is uh, a federalism, the division of governmental sovereignty between, with the Constitution, a newly created central government... And, of course, at the time, the individual 13 states and their governments, um, uh, out of the revolution, the first constitution was called the Articles of Confederation, a league of uh, sovereign states uh, coming together, but, but each individual state under the Articles retained its sovereignty, ultimate authority. So under the Articles, there was no central government. Problems in the 1780s, and then in 1786, something called Shays' Rebellion, foreclosures on farmers in western Massachusetts, um, uh, sort of scared the daylights out of our founders, and uh, it was dis- uh, it was uh, accepted by many of the uh, the elites, and our founders were very much the elites of the day, that uh, a central government would be required to maintain social stability, and then also to um, 
protect the newly created United States from, well, uh, to the north, the British uh, kept their ships on the uh, uh, Lake Superior, uh, on the Great Lakes. To the south was the Spanish Empire. Uh, of course, Thomas Jefferson is going to buy the, the Louisiana Purchase from Napoleon, who had taken it from the Spaniards. Um, and so, uh, uh, in order to have a, a stable, protected uh, society and government, uh, the Constitution uh, was written in the summer of 1787. As a matter of fact, at Viterbo, uh, Tuesday night, September 17th, we will be celebrating Constitution Day. That's the day um, the founders came out of Convention Hall. Not all of them, but most of them had signed the document. Uh, a woman confronts Ben Franklin and says, Dr. Franklin, what kind of government have you given us? And he's uh, reputed to have said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. Um, and, uh, of course, the idea of a self-governing system was new um, and uh, uh, untested. Uh, uh, you have to go all the way back to the Greeks and the Romans to, to get that kind of governing apparatus. Um, and so uh, this is our sense of pride as Americans, that we have this longest-lasting written constitutional document in the world. Um, uh, the British have a longer constitution, but we say about that one, it's, it's unwritten. Um, and so our separated power system, our checking and balancing uh, uh, apparatus to get these branches of government to, to check on one another and maybe even fight one another, all with the purpose of protecting our freedom. Well, n now after you hand out the syllabus, is this the spiel you go into to begin the first class? Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the third week, and I'm still on it, Rick. You're I'm, still I, I'm, I'm kind of slow in this process. Oh, you're so the, this this ten minutes would have been like uh, two, three class periods worth. Sure. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, six but, but it would have, Rick. It would have. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose. Do you get do you get a pretty good participation from class? Like, hey, I have questions about this or that, or oh. Uh, pretty good. Uh, has it changed, I, I, I guess, maybe since Trump took over, since, you know, that election? Has has anything changed in, in terms of what your students are bringing to uh, to you? Like what the questions they may have or stuff that they write if you're requiring the right a lot? <clears throat> well, we, um, uh, we've we just seen published, um, uh, I think this is the NBC Marist poll, but uh, 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 a... Um, a poll conducted uh, every 20 years to check out attitudes of uh, generations of Americans. And so we're just finishing up with the millennial generation born 1982 to 2003. That is, we're just finishing up with them in universities. And we find some uh, pretty significant differences uh, in attitudes of university-age students, not all of them in university, of course, um, that uh, shows that uh, we're we're beginning to uh, our our, uh, our society is stepping back from religious affiliation, um, much more tolerant of uh, uh, let's say same-sex unions and uh, the social transformations that have been going on for a, a couple of decades at least, mm -hmm. uh, and and so uh, students today are bringing a, a bit of a a different. I'm going to say social political attitude to the table. Um, and uh, President Trump is, is uh, in many respects more representative of the older kinds of attitudes, or at least the, the people who uh, are fellow Americans, the citizens who have voted for Trump, um, making America great again, an indication that their cultural uh, attitudes are more traditional, 
uh, maybe for these younger millennials, we might even say somewhat outdated. So we, we uh, now with public opinion polling data, we can see the collective attitudes yeah. of these generations of Americans, and they do change over time. Yeah, and the viewpoints have changed. And, and that's probably nothing new, you know, going from one generation to the next, or is I, it? I think perhaps not, uh, uh, but... Um, when I started studying politics uh, back in the 80s, uh, we used to say that we could uh, figure out a person's uh, political party allegiance uh, by understanding uh, the parents' allegiance. Um, and I think the technological age has brought about uh, a more rapid transition and transformation. Sure. Um, people are getting information much more readily, and we do see some decided uh, cultural uh, differences uh in in uh, this generation of students yeah if you get on twitter or facebook and follow enough news sites the news never stops there's never you can never get enough stories about one thing or the other and it just keeps going and going and are you are you analyzing me now Rick? no i'm saying in general <laughs> no, i'm analyzing I, myself yeah is what I'm doing. I, I, I think that is of course what can happen to us is we can we can get consumed with the news and maybe it's a good idea to step back from it um and then also the uh, the news sources we choose can reinforce our prejudices, our predispositions, and that's a little bit dangerous. Right. Um, uh, we we need to be uh, willing to uh, investigate other people's perspectives. That's because called the comments section. <laughs> Been there and done that one. Hey, hey, let me just go back to September seventeenth. Well, we're going to take a we're going to take a quick break for news, okay. and then we'll come back. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. The Better Hearing Center talk line. Unless I can get the text line open, it's not giving me. Uh, it's not cooperating. So we're going to be back after the news. Right after this, I'm Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. I'm Rick Solom in studio with me. Viterbo Political Science Professor, Dr. Keith Knudsen. All right, before we went on break, you, you wanted to talk about your event again on September 17th, right, at Viterbo? Yes, that's Constitution Day, and uh, at 7 p.m. in our nursing center, 196 is the room number. Uh, we're going to have a panel of three lawyers and then one of our uh, computer uh, tech uh, persons at Viterbo talking about voter security and ballot access. Um, this is... a uh, a topic that's uh, in political debate at the moment. The uh, House of Representatives, controlled by the Democrats, has passed a couple of bills on um, putting up some money for election security. And uh, uh, the leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell uh, from Kentucky, um, has uh, not so far brought up these We call bills. him Moscow Mitch. That's what we call him. Um, no, I, I understand that that's become <laughs> his uh, nickname. We do have a story on wisdomnews.com. The headline in, in, in regards to this was Congress returns, because they're back in session now. They've had a five-week break. To McConnell's legislative graveyard, <laughs> which is kind of where bills go to die, right? The Senate, because Mitch McConnell isn't like allowing any of these to be voted on, let alone... Well, again, you know, you know uh, since since we were talking Constitution and, and governing foundations, uh, when Thomas Jefferson came home from Paris, he'd been our ambassador. He wasn't at the Constitutional Convention. He visited George Washington at Mount Vernon and asked Washington, who presided uh, at the convention, um, didn't say very much, but he was the presiding officer, and everybody was looking at Washington. Hey, what do you, what, what, were you they know? wearing wigs at this point? They were, they were, the paintings have wigs, okay. uh, uh, so I, I presume they had their wigs on. Maybe okay. they took them off behind closed, <laughs> locked doors. Um, 
uh, Jefferson asked Washington, what about this Senate, the United States Senate, six-year terms? It's called a continuing body. In two years' time, when we have a presidential election and a general election, all the House will stand for election, all 435 members. Only one-third of the Senate will stand for election. So it's a continuing body, and, and Jefferson says something like, hey, George, you know, what, what's this all about? And Washington, famously, who didn't speak a lot, um, they were having tea, quite typically, for uh, that period of time. Washington takes his hot cup of tea and simply pours it into his saucer. And so the Senate is a cooling-off body. Um, now, I'm not advocating what uh, 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 Majority Leader uh, McConnell is doing right now, but uh, the Senate can be this body where the House of Representatives elected every two years, they're going to want to get work done yeah. uh, in their two-year term. Um, uh, it it uh, quite traditionally may have gone to the Senate to, to, to die. So this is, to some extent, by design. The Senate is a, a more challenging representative body to get bills passed through it. And, of course, any bill has to pass both the House, the Senate, and then be signed by the president to become a law. Um, when it comes to, you know, the U.S. House, they picked up 40 seats last election. The Democrats picked up 40 seats yep. two years ago. And that was the most for Democrats to pick up since Watergate. Uh, the most that the Republicans picked up, you said, was 60? Somewhere around, around 60 in 2010 with the Tea Party um, okay. uh, election. It uh, That was quite a... Uh, well, as President Obama said, he took a shellacking uh, on that election uh, sure. date. Um and that, that really set out the trajectory of Obama's presidency and uh, uh, to a great extent for the country uh, in this decade, uh, the Republicans gained control of a lot of state governments uh, when the district lines for state legislatures and the House of Representatives were going to be drawn using computer technology. Well, right here in Wisconsin, perhaps one of, uh, perhaps the most gerrymandered state in the nation. Um, and so winning power in 2010 was a, a, a very important development for Republicans to maintain their domination pretty much through the decade. Of sure. course, 2018, the Democrats won control of the House. 608-785-7914, the Better Hearing Center talk line. I'll see if I can get the text line open during the news break, but it's right now not letting me get in. Uh, Keith Knudsen from Viterbo, political scientist, is in here. Um, when you talk about North Carolina, there's two things going on in North Carolina that are going to happen or are related to Wisconsin. And we can get into the gerrymandering thing maybe after the break because that'll take more than two minutes. But I think this one we can get in. Um, so right tonight or right now, let's go. It's maybe wrapping up pretty soon or next couple of hours. They're having a special election in the for the U.S. House because can you explain why this is happening I, I know the the guy that was that had originally won the election i believe his name is that harris yes his name is harris and now i didn't write it of course mark harris mark harris he won um, the, he won the election by 900 votes over democrat damacredi in north carolina back in 2000 2018 a year, just a year ago and then and then can you can you kind of explain what what happened well it, it then was discovered uh, uh in the uh, uh harris campaign a, a gentleman was hired uh to gather up uh absentee ballots and out of uh, uh that guy had a bit of a reputation um uh, uh, Harris's own son had warned him, uh, look, don't, don't uh, use his services, but his father did. 
Uh, it was quite a dramatic court trial where the son testified about his advice to the father and recommending that he not use this guy. And that guy had uh, engaged in uh, ballot manipulation. And so the results of that election were vacated, and now there is an election to fill that seat. It's been unfilled for a, uh, almost, uh, well, since January when the Congress uh, was sworn into office. Um, and now the winner of this election will have to stand again for election a year from now. Is it weird that if the winner cheated and the loser lost by 900 votes, which is the slimmest of margins, seems to me, shouldn't that guy just have won Like at that point? <laughs> like, hey, you lost, lost by 900 and this guy cheated to get all these absentee ballots. You're the winner. Like, that seems weird that we're going to have a special election. But that's the way the rules that's are. the way it works. If um, you cheat, we'll uh, we'll give you a second chance. What's the saying? Close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't consider hand grenades a sport, but uh, uh, that's another issue. Uh, okay, so in relating the North Carolina special election for the U.S. House tonight in Wisconsin, we're going to do the same thing when Governor Tony Evers decides that special election date. Okay, so Sean Duffy in the uh, district in far northern Wisconsin. Of MTV fame, right? A, 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 a TV celebrity. Um, uh, he re- is resigning his seat, and uh, that seat will uh, re- remain vacant. He's signing here short, uh, resigning shortly, and then Governor Evers is going to select a date for an election to fill that seat. Um, and uh, the speculation is that a good date for... Evers, a Democrat in his party, um, uh, would be uh, when the presidential primary is going to be held. Um, The Democrats are going to have a contested primary. That will get a lot of Democrats out to vote. And if they vote in the primary, then up in that district, uh, they would then make a selection for uh, um, the representative. Um, and this is that also uh, saves the state some money, right? Because you're going, you're only going to the ballot one, one. Because that you know, was a big issue when, oh, we can't have all these special elections on different dates because sure. it costs so much money. But it also gets a higher voter turnout. Yeah, people are going to turn out to vote for a primary election. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> and, and in this year, in this circumstance, the presumption is that would benefit the Democrats. Right. Um, the, 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 the Republicans may not like that, but undoubtedly, I would imagine the Republicans would do that if they well, were, the, were in control of the governorship. The idea is always funny, like, oh, you're just trying to get more people to go to vote, and then the Democrats will win because more people are going to vote. Like, the idea that we don't want more people voting is kind of ludicrous. Well, more people voting, uh, in my judgment, is good. Yeah. Um, the public opinion polling shows us that maybe something like 27% of the country as a whole identifies as Republicans. Something like uh, 33, 4, 5% identifies as Democrats. Um, and then, of course, uh, that makes about 60% of the country, and about 40% are independents. Yeah. Um, uh, Republicans win elections because independents decide to vote for Republicans. Okay. Um, uh, you know, those percentages of party identifiers within the public is not necessarily a determinative, uh, the determinative factor in, in the outcome of elections. Sure. I mean, I, I think uh, during one of the Bush presidencies, elections anyway, at the time, my girlfriend voted for Republican because she was strictly pro-life. Like anti whatever, sure. and I was like, "Well, that's that's the only reason." So I just voted for the other guy out of spite. So, well, or or, <laughs> or you may want to be in a balanced relationship, Rick. <laughs> yeah, balance it all. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to hit Scott's comment in the news, and we'll be back right here on Wisdom with Keith Knutson from Viterbo. 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. You will when he when I put him on the phone here. Yeah. Uh, I'm Rick Solom in studio with me, Keith Knutson. I'm just doing my own Manning of the phone lines there, Keith. So uh, we're gonna do that. We're gonna put Nick. I believe his name is Nick on the phones right now. Hey, Nick, go ahead. What? Oh. I just want to tell you that you do call, and it really bothers me that people like Mary and other people won't listen to anymore. You have a right to your opinions. I'm thinking you're doing a hell of a job, and I just want you to know that. Okay. You know, you do your own show the way you want to do it, and I think you're doing a great job. I will see you every day, and I think you're doing great. All right. Thanks for the call, Nick. Just uh, I just had my friend call me and tell me that. Just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, 608-785-7914, Better Hearing Center talk line. I can't get the text line open. Uh, if you want to just call and praise how good of a job I'm doing, that's fine. But I feel like uh, if you got questions for Keith Knutson, maybe about the Trump administration, about the federal government, that's kind of like your bread and butter, right? I guess, and, and maybe even gerrymandering in Wisconsin. I know that just sounds like the most boring topic, but it's kind of like the most... Important topic as we get into... Uh, well, uh, maybe going back to North Carolina, the state Supreme Court just ruled that the um, the partisan gerrymander the Republicans did in North Carolina was overturned by the state Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court, uh, maybe a year ago, decided it was not going to uh, delve into these uh, partisan gerrymandering circumstances. Yeah, I would say like six months ago or so, yeah. And so now in North Carolina, the state Supreme Court, um, I think with one or two um, Republican-oriented judges, uh, generally they don't run with the party identity, but we can figure it out these days pretty yeah. readily. Uh, the state Supreme Court ruled that um, North Carolina is uh, gerrymandered so that uh, people's vote is uh, transgressed by such a, uh, a construction determining the outcome. And uh, North Carolina is having to redraw its maps mm-hmm. so that it, uh, there will be a fair outcome. Um, Democrats in that state have been winning more votes than Republicans, but Republicans have been winning, I think, um, a, a, a 10 of the 13 congressional seats in North Carolina have gone to the Republicans, but they haven't been able to win a majority of the votes. So that gerrymandering sets it up. So, so it's gerrymandered a, to Democrats in North to the, Carolina? To the advantage of the Republicans. Oh, to the Republicans. Because is it Maryland that's... Maryland has uh, one district that is... Uh, the Democrats there were just um, intent on getting rid of one particular re- Republican representative, and they drew the line and got rid of them. Uh, 608-785-7914. Uh, I'm moving on to uh, the kind of the news nationally today is Donald Trump lost his 47th high-profile administra- administrator, I guess, uh, John Bolton, the national security advisor, either resigned or he was fired. He was told to resign, whatever. Can you, can you talk about what that means uh, going forward or and just what that, you know, like, is this a good thing that John Bolton is out? Well, for some people, it's a, a very good thing, and others a great disappointment. No, Bolton is uh, might be considered a hawk. Um, uh, with glasses, uh, with very serious glasses, and, and, a, and a mustache that uh, is quite discernible as well. Um, uh, Bolton uh, uh, encouraged the hard line against Iran. Uh, uh, he is a great nationalist willing to um, use the American military might to um, help our country get its way in the world. Um, interestingly enough, President Trump would seem to be somewhat hesitant 
in engaging American military might. Um, you know, he uh, called off that attack against Iran, um, uh, and uh, uh, he he liked my impression of the president is he likes to talk a hard game, but he's actually fairly hesitant mm-hmm. to order our troops into combat. Right. Yeah. The, not the worst thing in the world if you're, you know, not into war, I guess. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, but the problem is, uh, you know, he announced uh, uh, after the failure of the Taliban coming to uh, Camp David uh, to meet and talk about a, a peace deal. Um, the president uh, doesn't hold national security secrets very tightly to his chest. Mm-hmm. There are something like a half a dozen pretty significant incidents of the president revealing information that our security agencies, of course, are providing him. Right. Didn't he just tweet out a a picture of an Iranian bunker or something or a building uh, that that had some significance? That's one example. There's now a story, CNN broke it, that uh, one of our uh, uh, contact in Russia uh, was called home in 2017. and uh, there is the argument that the, maybe the president uh, was making uh, life uh, precarious for this agent. And of yeah, course, in, in, a guy that had direct contact with Putin. Yeah. And, well, and we had to bring him home. And right. The Russians are saying he wasn't such a high level official. Um, yeah. I, I, I've never been a spy. Uh, I'd like you to know that. Rick. OK. Um, and uh, we well, could have been. You were in the Navy. You would never tell us, though. So. Uh, well, I'd have to kill myself if I did, I suppose. <laughs> and us, or are we good? Uh, no, we'll, we'll leave everybody else alone. Um, were, were you a little, I, I mean, does news surprise you at all when, when Trump tweets out, I think he tweeted it out, and usually it is a tweet, uh, hey, the, I canceled secret talks of peace talks with the Taliban. I was going to invite them to Camp David. Right, I think Tomorrow we is September 11th. <laughs> I, and, and many, uh, or some people in his own party were critical of the president for inviting the Taliban to visit with him at Camp David, so close to the September 11th um, anniversary of that that event. Of course, the perpetrators on September 11th, um, their operation was organized in Afghanistan. The Taliban hosted Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. And uh, uh, even for Republicans, uh, the president uh, inviting the Taliban in to meet him. Of course, what's the president thinking? He he's a reality TV star. He wants media coverage. And it would seem that on too many occasions, he forgets the sensibilities of our cultural attitudes and our own cultural sensitivities on certain events. Right. Um, All right. We're going to go to the phones. I believe this is Heidi, right? Yeah, I got a couple couple things to say. Um, You know, people talk about Trump all the time and his method and. If anybody's ever seen the movie My Cousin Vinny, to me, that's who he's always been. I think he's very smart. I think he's very good at what he does, and he fumbles around often. But I still think that his uh, agenda for the country is the best. And so much of what he does that's really positive doesn't get an ounce of coverage. Like when he met with, I think it was 35 black leaders to do something about prison reform, and he has made steps. You never hear anything about that, ever. Um, and the first first choice or second step, there are two programs. First of all, getting uh, prisoners who've been, you know, had in heavy sentences a way to get out, and also then providing them with means and lining them up with 
potential employment. You don't hear a word about that ever, and and many other things. But that that's who he does remind me of. He's not an orator. He's not a public speaker. He's a guy from Queens or Brooklyn, wherever it is in New York, and he's very much like that. But he does know how to get things done, and he is not doing things in the conventional way that everybody else did. So everyone's offended, especially the ever-Trump haters and never-Trump supporters. All right. Thanks, Heidi, for the call. Do you, do you got a uh, rebuttal to that? Well, um, uh, I take it Joe she's Pesci? gone. I, I, Donald I, Trump is Joe Pesci now and my cousin Vinny. Um, uh, the prison reform uh, uh, aspirations of the Trump administration, uh, I agree with Heidi. Uh, those are reforms that uh, uh, are uh, much needed and uh, uh, long overdue. Um, but to really engage in prison reform, uh, that project would have to be worked through the Congress. We would need to get some laws passed. And there, the president has a, a very, uh, uh, I'm sorry to say, Heidi, a very sorry record. Uh, only one major piece of legislation so far, and uh, that's the tax cut. Um, News uh, today that they're going for tax cuts 2.0. Um, and and uh, <laughs> I, when, you know, now that there is Democratic control of the House of Representatives, very yeah. unlikely. Um, and so uh, beyond... Uh, the the reform that the president could engage in, Heidi, through executive orders, um, and this is what President Obama was uh, uh, straddled with after uh, Republicans getting control of the House of Representatives to get things done using executive orders. Um, One of the things we as Americans are suspicious of is a, a chief executive who's going to do things the term we use is unilaterally. Um, and so, uh, President Trump, uh, if he if he has um, honorable aspirations for the country, um, he hasn't accomplished them legislatively, and so there will not be a long-lasting impact um, from those uh, presidential aspirations. Another great example of of that uh, a problem is. Uh, uh, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, putting together a, a Middle East peace plan. And uh, uh, I would say the president has given Israel uh, too many uh, benefits, um, uh, which uh, previous presidents had been holding back on, trying to encourage the Israelis to agree to a, a peace settlement with the Palestinians. So uh, I appreciate your sentiment, uh, uh, Heidi. And, uh, of course, many of us will uh, unjustifiably um, engage in personal pique against any individual politician. But what we need to judge um, is uh, legislative outcomes. Does, and I think there it's safe to say that President Trump has not been particularly successful. Does it count a legislative outcome? Does it count uh, building a border wall by taking money from the Pentagon and military? Well, and of course, uh, uh, local congressional districts, uh, having um, realized they're sacrificing money to build a wall uh, as opposed to defense department projects that would have gone into those districts. Um, a lot of those people, uh, I've read some stories, are not very happy. Bypassing Congress, too, right? Bypassing Congress to build this wall? Well, you know, the, the, the Congress has uh, some element of responsibility in this in terms of passing laws which provide latitude for the executive to move money around. Um, and uh, 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 you know, in, in, in the sentiment that Heidi was calling in on, uh, these issues are not always simply one-sided. Sure. Uh, go back to the phones. Eric from Sparta's been waiting. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, regarding this, uh, 
guy who got outed over in our rush over there. <clears throat> and apparently Trump is responsible for it because he's such a dummy. But it turns out to be that was not true. That was fake news from CNN, and they had to apologize. Are you aware of that? What about this other joker on there from MSNBC who had all these news about Trump? Or he got him hooked now. He's talking racial metal. He put his hands in her head said, Wow. You're a dummy. These liberals do not care about the truth. All they care about is bashing Trump, and that's all they care about. And I think that's the same of you, too. Thank you. Well, thanks for calling in, Eric. It's good to hear your voice again. It's been a while since uh, you and I have communicated. Um, I, I, I don't think the story of taking a, an agent out of Russia uh, is has been shown to be false. Um, I think that has indeed taken place. Well, I, okay, so I Google Russian spy CNN, right? And go to news, Fox News, CIA slams CNN's misguided and simply false reporting. And then New York Post, Mike Pompeo slams a uh, CNN report on spy. And then you go to Esquire, CNN's uh, reporter breaks down his scoop on how the CIA was forced to extract Russian spies. So, like, depending on who you want to read... It's either false or it's not false, but CNN's doubling down. I, 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 I think we can conclude, and, and I hope Eric would agree with us, that uh, we now know that this agent in Russia has been extracted. Um, of course, this is all intelligence um, material, and so we're relying on these uh, journalists who are getting access uh, through their contacts to present us these various stories. Um, and going back to something we, we covered earlier, uh, where are we getting our news, and is that setting us up for a particular kind of prejudice about the news? This is one of the dangerous uh, circumstances in our society today. Yeah, CIA doesn't really want to uh, let out that they had a spy and they extracted him from Russia, right? Like, well, so- and, 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 and Eric, I would ask you to consider, uh, uh, from the get-go, President Trump has been quite denigrating towards our intelligence agencies. Um, they're the ones who discovered... Uh, his campaign's contacts with Russian um, operators uh, published in the Mueller report. Um, And uh, the president's mode of operation is to demean and diminish uh, any critical news source. Um, And so I think we need to be careful of uh, uh, the the repasse of uh, um, this president and uh, even uh, Secretary of State Pompeo uh, in terms of what is this story really about that is the Russian agent being extracted. Uh, guess what? That's all the time we have. Well, that is so disappointing, It goes Rick. so fast. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for coming in, and we're going to try to do this once a month, right, as long as your schedule uh, allows I, I, it? I would be very happy to do this. It's uh, quite enjoyable, and I look forward to talking with Eric again. Sure. All right, that's Viterbo's Keith Knutson on, and we'll do—I'll uh, be here uh, tomorrow on Wisdom. Thanks a lot, guys.